0: Downtown San Diego just isn't what it normally is this time in July. No massive crowds filling up the gas lamp, no cosplayers posing for photos, no raps of superheroes and actors covering up downtown hotels. But Comic Con is still on this year. While it's a major economic hit in San Diego to not have the physical convention, many are hopeful that this version of the con can fix some perennial problems the convention has. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Phil Molnar, you're a reporter on the business team, and you traditionally lead the coverage of Comic-Con. And things are obviously different this year, as the COVID-19 pandemic is still ongoing. Why don't you walk us through the series of events that led Comic-Con to shift to Comic-Con at home? Kind of give us a wrap of the past several months?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, back in mid-April, you might remember that Comic-Con made the decision to cancel their convention because of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's not really a surprise. I mean, when you think about even smaller events that were being canceled before that, it was sort of a question we had when Comic-Con was going to announce they were canceled, as opposed to if they were. I mean, if anybody that's been to Comic-Con, it's like 135,000 people jammed into a small space. It would be the worst super spreader event of COVID possible. I mean, I shouldn't say that, but it's probably got the potential to do that. So they canceled the event, and there was no announcement of anything else coming. But then a few months later, behind the scenes, staff were working on this idea that they could somehow bring Comic-Con to an online-only event. Now, we've seen this with some concerts that have switched online and stuff. This is one of the biggest scale things, just to go totally online, probably definitely in California so far in this COVID-19 pandemic. And what they did was because they're not really sure how many people are going to attend, they've decided to make it all online for free. So the basic gist of it is you could go to the Comic-Con website and kind of get a, a clear picture of where you should go and stuff like that. But if you want to do the most minimal thing, it's basically just go to YouTube, go to Comic-Con internationals page, and you can watch these panels as they happen. And that's sort of how it's going to work this year. It goes from, it starts today, Wednesday, and it goes all the way until Sunday. So it's about five days of jam-packed offerings from movie studios to TV shows to to just some wacky pop culture stuff that I've never heard of and a lot of people out there haven't, but they've got fan bases.
0: Mm-hmm. And can you give us a sense of kind of how the melange of Comic-Con is different this year because the pandemic has clearly affected the entertainment industry. You can't exactly film right now. So what are some things that aren't in the mix that normally would be? Why don't you explain what's missing this year?
1: So the, the, the biggest things missing are, there's probably four main things. Marvel Studios, which is a huge presence there, responsible for the Iron Man, Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, all those films. They made a huge flash last year. But anyways, Marvel Studios is not going to participate. We're also not going to get Warner Brothers, which does the DC films, such as Justice League, Wonder Woman. CW is mainly pulled out of it. CW, you know, it might not seem as big to some people, but CW has such a huge amount of DC comic shows. You think of The Flash, Arrow, Black Lightning. They just have so many. So DC's... Shows for CW are not going to be there. And lastly, this isn't that big of a surprise. Star Wars isn't going to be there. Um, And part of the reason for that, even though I didn't get exact comments from those studios, but a lot of the thinking is from industry professionals is we don't know when movie theaters are going to open again. So it doesn't really make sense for us to have some panel, get some buzz, but then have it die out. So it does make sense to step away But what I will say about that is Star Wars has The Mandalorian Season 2 coming out in October. So, I mean, if you think about it, they could have had a pretty cool Mandalorian panel at this event. So, But they're not there. So there's a few things going on. It's not just what's going on in, say, with the COVID-19 pandemic. But we have seen sort of a slow creep of different pop culture entities doing their own conventions Uh, Star Wars has its own Star Wars celebration that's been going on for a long time. And now DC uh, has its own thing called DC Fandom in August, which is going to cover a lot of their films and TV shows and all that kind of stuff. So it will be actually really great to, you know, consider, um, you know, maybe it isn't just it isn't just what's going on with the pandemic.
0: Mm hmm. And how confident are people that are having panels that there will be a big audience because, you know, it's different when you're logging on to, you know, watching a YouTube video versus waiting in line and seeing it, or if you're not attending, just kind of waiting for the the tweets to come out of whatever thing you're excited about. Like, is the excitement not quite there as much?
1: See, I'm not really sure yet and nobody's really sure. So Comic-Con is capped at 135,000 people every year. And so many people get turned away for tickets that conventional wisdom might say, okay, it's all free on YouTube. That means we're going to get a million people at each panel (laughs) or something just crazy. Right. But there is even Comic-Con is trying to like kind of calm down those expectations and saying, you know, this is a different sort of format. Maybe not everyone wants to sit at their computer and do a panel or something like that, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, I, I suspect there will be a big showing. I, I've been online on a few different like online concerts recently, and I'm just surprised how many people are logging in. So we might see pretty shocking numbers or maybe the thing's a bust, I don't know. But it's not really a lot of money for Comic-Con. They, they put the the effort has to be from the studios. They're not providing any equipment. They basically say to so-and-so comic book company, okay, you want a panel? Set up your own video equipment. We'll put it on our YouTube page while the rest of us, all Comic-Con staff, about 80 of them, work from home. So if it's a complete failure, which I totally doubt it will be, at least they're not going to lose out on a lot of money.
0: Mm -hmm. And what are they doing to prevent technical failures? Because, you know, we've had Zoom mistakes, Zoom bombings. How have they... Secured Comic Con.
1: So, what they're doing is something that makes it sort of less exciting. So, we'll have to see, but they're filming the panels beforehand. The majority of panels will be filmed beforehand. That's not to say they were filmed like two months ago. They're probably either filmed that day or, say, a few days earlier. So, what they're going to do is film all the events and then upload them to YouTube so it it does look like you're watching a live event but it technically was filmed maybe a few hours ago or a day ago so that Mm -hmm. does take away from the excitement but at the same time as long as no one spills the beans you should be finding out about new exciting things that happen at the same time as everybody else
0: yeah so it's like if you weren't you know at comic-con the experience is somewhat similar because the delay of when you find out about thing X or thing Y is still there. But for us, San Diegans and us members of the press that are used to going, it's obviously different.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a super different experience. But what I will say is, you know, things can always change and we'll see what happens. There's always, comic Con's always really good at surprises. Big movies you didn't uh, anticipate being, announced or some new comic book series that nobody saw coming these things happen at comic-con and one thing that happened in say the past i want to say it was like four or five days ago but there wasn't a lot of gigantic panels happening but I, i'll talk about the bigger ones in a second but one of the most anticipated films is an x-men film called the new mutants which has been delayed like ridiculously long it, it, i think the first trailer came out something in like 2017 so it's it's got a bit of a cult following, like, when will this movie ever come out? It's sort of a joke, even, that it never
0: will. It's like a Zelda game.
1: Yeah, so it's so strange. So, But basically, what happened was, um the Comic-Con schedule was out, you know, it was okay, there's some cool stuff, but then it was like five, no, it was actually about seven days after the Comic-Con schedule had been released, uh, they announced that the New Mutants panel was going to be held on Thursday. Now, that There there are some fan bases that are pretty adamant. You could ask them what's the most anticipated. I think for the general public, one of the biggest things it's safe to say for the whole convention will be that X-Men movie, The New Mutants panel on Thursday. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't even added to the schedule until a week later. So that's sort of Mm -hmm. interesting.
0: So you mentioned that one. What are the other big ones?
1: Yeah, there's some big stuff. So on Thursday, they're going to have a big thing of Star Trek shows for people that don't know, Star Trek is in the middle of a bit of a renaissance on CBS All Access, and they're adding more and more and more shows. So they're going to be there with all their shows, including Picard with uh, John Luke. Um, no, that's his fictional name, <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Stewart.
0: There you in go.
1: real life, his name is Patrick Stewart. He'll be there on Thursday. So that's a big one. On Friday, Charlize Theron will have her own panel for an hour just to talk about whatever she wants. She's a big action movie star now. That's a big change in her career, say, in the last five years. Mad Max and then The Old Guard on Netflix recently, which I quite enjoyed. So she'll be there on Friday. And then, of course, all the Walking Dead shows on Friday. Saturday is when we get our first look at the new Bill & Ted movie starring Keanu Reeves. And Keanu Reeves will be there on Saturday for Bill & Ted but he'll also be there for a panel earlier in the day for the 15th anniversary of the movie Constantine. I don't know if you remember that one. It came out right after the Matrix movies, but it tends to still be quite popular, even though it's kind of thought of as sort of a dud.
0: Mm -hmm. So when you kind of consider what the entertainment industry has been through in this past year, you can kind of look to the release of Tenet as the barometer of how people are feeling, because earlier when the American curve was looking better. Uh, They were thinking about releasing the movie. I think sometime in August or something, some movie theaters would be open. This obviously got delayed as the pandemic has gotten worse, but kind of what are those ripple effects of that when we just don't know what's going to happen? Like, how do you continue hype when you have to wait for America to get its act together with COVID-19?
1: I really don't know. I think it's going to be a balancing act for all these, all these different companies. I mean, One thing a lot of them have going for them is they might have filmed some of this stuff beforehand. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So like the Mandalorian, which I mentioned before, that was filmed a while ago. So it's still coming out in October. So that's good. And a lot of the panels at Comic-Con, thank God they're still about comic books. So comic books are still being published even at a limited capacity because a lot of the comic book stores aren't open but they are still being published after a few weeks off when the pandemic first started. So those Mm -hmm. are coming out and a lot of these movies, a lot of these TV shows are based on those comic books. So those still go on just fine. But I think we might have a bit of a problem (laughs) with having no idea. I mean, you mentioned Tenant. the latest news about Tenant is that now it's been delayed indefinitely. They have no date. You know, so I'm not really sure what's going to happen. One of the hopes, though, with the new Mutants, which I mentioned earlier, is that it will be available for video download or stream download. I don't know how the proper term is, but maybe it'll be on Apple or, say, Amazon Prime, something like that. Because the movie's been delayed so long and now X-Men is owned by Disney, so it doesn't really fit into their whole thing. The movie was made by uh, 20th Century Fox before it was sold to Disney. So there's different things like that that we might, you know, get a surprise look at. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think a lot of the TV, you know, I hear more and more stories about TV studios just trying their best to produce some sort of content during this. So we'll have to wait and see. There might be some creative things that people announced during Comic-Con we didn't even think of.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting how the COVID nineteen pandemic really changed those industry decisions, like the decision to release Hamilton early on uh, right before July. Like that was a strategic move because you know you're sitting on this footage, you might as well make money off of it. So it makes sense. But uh, bringing this back to San Diego itself, uh, can you give us uh, some kind of top level stats about how intense this economic hit is when we don't have all these people in downtown San Diego?
1: Oh my God! Well. You know, the funny thing about economic impact studies is sometimes people get frustrated because it's like so overarching. But what we do know is, and I don't want to screw up any of the numbers, so I am going to look on my screen. But we'll see here that what the. okay. so, for instance, Comic-Con itself in 2018, that's their most recent tax returns. They brought in about $24.8 million from their two conventions here in Comic-Con and another one they do in Anaheim called WonderCon. Okay. But the economic hit to San Diego is quite significant. So this the San Diego Convention Center Corp was estimating the convention this year would have brought in $162.2 million to the region. (laughs) I mean, it's a ridiculous amount of money. Um, That would have meant... Almost 62,000 hotel rooms booked, at least $3.2 million in taxes. And what they really tried to hammer home to me, the Convention Center Corp., is when they look at the economic impact of Comic-Con, they try and really get this across, although it probably isn't always successful, but all those people downtown that are going to places you didn't think of, like the 7-Eleven or the mom-and-pop convenience stores, they even threw in their... um, Laundry, because a lot of time people are using laundromats and all that kind of stuff downtown. There is such a ripple effect of one person coming from Chicago to San Diego for this convention. When they walk out in the community, what sort of money are they spending? What sort of taxes are they spending on their hotel? It is such a big deal for San Diego. And what a lot of marketing lecturers will like to tell me, or marketing professors that I talk to, is San Diego Comic Con is so big for our region. Because every year that means millions of people, or thousands, okay, let's just say millions. Millions of people are looking at San Diego, they're seeing the footage from San Diego, they're seeing how beautiful it is here, and it's this gigantic, it's the biggest advertisement we really have in San Diego. And so there was kind of the concern with no Comic-Con this year that we're going to miss out on that, but at least in a little minor bit, it's keeping this comic-con brand alive through the pandemic, no matter what happens. And it's still in a lot of ways, keeping San Diego on the map. So that that's good from that perspective.
0: Mm -hmm. And one other uh, kind of long-term threat to comic-con is issues with the convention center. Uh, Expanding the convention center has been uh, a recurring theme in San Diego news for as long as both of us have been at the paper and even longer. So What threat is that? Because there's rumors that San Diego Comic-Con may have to leave. That's
1: true. So, especially in the last decade, Comic-Con has really outgrown the convention center. 135,000 people sounds like a lot, but I really think if if there was no limit on tickets for this thing, it would at least triple that or something. I'm not really sure, but... So Comic-Con is always super frustrated. A lot of their problems as an organization come from not being able to have enough space because people are jammed together. You get a lot of people that are angry. A lot of people can't get tickets. It's a lot of, sometimes I could almost say there's like a, I don't know if it's hatred, but there's a lot of anger directed at Comic-Con around the ticket process and who gets mm-hmm. in and who doesn't who got a journalist pass, who didn't get a journalist pass, you know, everything like that. I mean, at this point, Comic-Con has said has signed a contract. Anyways, they're going to be here through 2024. I suppose there's always the chance they could take it to Las Vegas or somewhere with a very big convention center. Um, I don't know. I have a hard time believing that I'm not even originally from San Diego myself. I have been here about five years, but, Comic-Con is so synonymous with San Diego. I just can't picture it. I think it, it there could be some business implications if you take it out of San Diego. But, you know, obviously we're all hoping Comic-Con does not leave because it is such a big moneymaker for the city and it's such a big cultural thing. It's funny. Sometimes you might meet some more grizzled members of our community here in San Diego that don't like Comic-Con. But I think if they knew if they really hammered home how much money and taxes was going to the city from this event, that might kind of change their tune. So, you know, we'll have to wait and see um, COVID-19 really doesn't change any of those dynamics at the moment.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: the only thing that could be potential which Comic-Con does not seem to recognize at all, despite my press pressuring them is a big part of Comic-Con is when you can't get into like a really big panel such as at Hall H or something like that. Now, I tried to ask Comic-Con, hey, you guys, now that we're getting all these online things going on on YouTube, how about next year (laughs) when people can't get into a panel, what if maybe they can instead go to like an online thing on YouTube? That way, everybody that's sad that they can't go to the convention who didn't get a ticket can watch on YouTube. And I got kind of like a wishy-washy response that was basically like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think the magic of Comic-Con is basically all of us together in a room, you know. So, unfortunately, at least the way Comic-Con organization is thinking, that, that aspect of possibly alleviating some of the pressure on <laughs> the physical presence of Comic-Con, I don't know if this is really going to translate, unfortunately.
0: Mm-hmm. And given the amount of societal change that we're going through right now because of this pandemic and this test that Comic-Con is kind of going through this year, broadly, what do you think Comic-Con of the future is going to be like? What are some of the things that you think that they will incorporate into future conventions when they finally do happen?
1: Well, a big thing lately is, and this has actually been going on for years and years, you know, you could, you're hearing a lot from a lot of different organizations, especially after the killing of George Floyd and a lot of the protests and a new conversation on race and also uh, sexual identity and things of those nature that are now more in the forefront of the national conversation. I will say Comic-Con for years has been having LGBTQ panels, all sorts of things about representation of different groups. And, and they Comic-Con is like, there are always so many panels about that. And, you know, and I've seen a lot more this year. I really don't know if there's more or less, but I think that's going to be a really big thing for Comic-Con moving forward, is sort of reaching out to these different groups that might feel like they don't have, maybe on a very simple case-by-case. I remember there was one year I was at Comic-Con, and there was a woman there who was bald. And she wanted more comic book characters that were bald. And So Marvel's uh, editor-in-chief at the time said, well, hey, we've got, at the time Thor was a woman, was a woman battling cancer, and so she didn't have her hair. And the woman was like, no, we're not talking about cancer. I want women that have naturally lost their hair, because a percentage of women have that. Now, it seemed kind of crazy, but she kept showing up at panel after panel. And you just got to think that that was getting through to somebody up top you know i can't say anything came from that but i can't think of a few bald female characters now that don't have cancer you know it's just weird but there's always there's always this push for more inclusion in comic books and marvel comics and dc i think equally you know sometimes people try to put them uh pit them against each other but both of them have done so much we're talking transgender heroes transgender villains Lots of there's like a a black version of Superman that's going around right now, and there's a gay version of Green Lantern. There are all these different things. So I think Comic Con in the future, you're going to be seeing a lot more of that. A lot that effort is probably only going to increase, and there's going to be more of a highlight of it.
0: Mm -hmm. All right, Phil Molnar, thank you so much. Thank you. In other news. San Diego County health officials struck a somber tone today as the region's COVID-19 outbreak worsens. The region hit two milestones. More than 500 people have died, and there are more than 25,000 confirmed cases. California has crossed another milestone as well. The state now has more cases than New York. The county also plans on ramping up enforcement of businesses that fail to comply with regulations, as most outbreaks have had ties to organizations not following the rules. The San Diego Union-Tribune is hosting a contest to create the best public service announcement to remind people to stop the spread of COVID-19. We're soliciting listeners like you to come up with the best PSA for print, digital, or video. The winner of the contest will get a grand prize of $2,500 and their PSA will be published in the UT in various formats. The winner will also have the opportunity to be a guest on Fox 5's San Diego Morning News. You have until August 16th to submit. For more details, go to uniontrip.com slash stop the spread. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. If you're curious about how Greater San Diego is working toward building a new future after pandemic and protest, listen to the UT's Luis Cruz on Together San Diego. Every weekday afternoon, join in on conversations with activists, nonprofits, and companies who are finding out ways this moment can change San Diego for the better. Listen in on Facebook. For a guide to all of our live streaming programming, check out the schedule on UnionTrip.com. Until next time.